Man, it's so great to see y'all here tonight, and I'm excited. Yeah, I got a fist pump, man. Let's go. Giddy up. Let's go. We're so glad that you joined us again, as I mentioned earlier, and a special welcome to, we, I know we have a number of youth here tonight. Um, special welcome to you guys here, and we're so glad to have you all here tonight as we start this new sermon series on the book of Philippians. It's a, Philippians is a, a favorite go-to book in the Bible. It's four chapters. It's a it's a book that talks about joy more than any other book in the Bible. And I, I, I believe that as we dive into Philippians, I think many of us are going to be encouraged in our current circumstances. And so you might be wondering, why are we going to dive into the book of Philippians? Well, one of our values is to be Scripture-rooted. As a church, we want to be Scripture-rooted. And so we're going to pause and dig into the book of Philippians. And just to FYI... After we're done the Chosen as small groups here at Coastal, we're going to jump into a four-week Bible study, literally going through the whole book of Philippians, here on Thursday night, starting in March. So if you feel like, man, I wish we could go, I'll get some cheers for that. Awesome. Y'all are ready to get into the Word, man. Let's go. But we're going to jump into Philippians in March and kind of do a deeper dive. And so just heads up for that. That will start in March, and that will be here. But just to kind of set the stage a little bit, Paul had spent time in Philippi in Acts chapter 16 and in verse 20. And Paul was in prison the first time he went to Philippi. This time when he writes the letter to the church in Philippi, he's in prison again. (laughs) He had quite the times getting in and out of jail by times. And it was often, it was for sharing his faith and sharing the gospel. Um, But God did some amazing things. If you have a chance to kind of get your head wrapped around, it would be helpful to you to read Acts chapter 16 and verse 20, just to kind of get your head wrapped around what was happening at the time. But Paul had quite the relationship with the church in Philippi. I would say, um, I know they're not supposed to play favorites, but they were definitely up there for Paul. There was a mutual affection that was happening going on. And you can read that. If you just read the first few verses of chapter 1, there is a clear, intimate, heartfelt, deep connection that Paul has for the church in Philippi, and that Philippi, the church there, has for Paul. And so Paul is writing here because the church in Philippi was going through really, really difficult times. And it wasn't just the church in Philippi that was going through difficult times. Paul was going through difficult times because he was imprisoned and potentially had the possibility of him being sentenced to death. So not so good times, right? Now, Let's just translate here for a second into our lives from Paul's world and the Bible's world. I mean, when we're going through really, really good times, I don't have a lot of people that book appointments for counseling or need advice or, you know, when things are going well, you know, usually, you know, the scripture says in James, if things are going well with you, rejoice. But how often do we find in our day-to-day lives that we have circumstances that are just so challenging and at times, frankly, defeating? And how many people that walked in through our door here tonight, you walked in discouraged because you either have a circumstance or multiple circumstances that are just not good. They're hard. They're challenging. And there's lots of different circumstances that we face with. But, man, it's hard. It's hard to have joy in difficult times, is it not? Like, is it easy for us to rejoice when we're going through difficulty or do you find it difficult? But Paul... Being a seasoned person with difficult circumstances, he learned the secret of all things, it says at the end of Philippians. And he spends his whole four chapters of a book 
unpacking what all that is. And so we're going to dive into that here tonight. And we're going to begin by talking about being grateful in your circumstance. How many of y'all are grateful in your circumstance? Let me maybe rephrase the question. How many of y'all are grateful for your circumstances that aren't so great? Oh, some of us are. That's good. But for most of us, honestly, when you have a really negative circumstance, do you find it hard to be grateful in that circumstance? Do you have a hard time having that attitude of gratitude? Or do you just like, maybe for you, it's like, yes, I'm grateful in this circumstance. You're kind of like, green and bear it. I will be grateful. I will be grateful. But really, in your heart, you're not. And you like, as a default, you like to listen to country music, for instance. And you mope with the country artist. Because he identifies with my awful circumstances. How many of y'all are mopey? Or you know a mopey person? And you're like, hey, Jay, just ease up on me here. Like, stuff's tough right now. I was like, I get it. I get it. Stuff is tough. We all go through difficulty. And, and Paul, for sure, is not trying to be trite. Just be grateful. Paul's in prison. He's been through some stuff. The Bible teaches us he's had 39 lashes on his back. He's been, if you read 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, Paul goes on to talk about all the stuff this dude went through. Listen, man, Paul has seen some stuff. And he's writing with authority to a church that is going through difficult circumstances to encourage them to not lose heart and to push forward and not give up. Now, your circumstance might be different. Maybe you have a child that you're figuring, like, what on earth is going on with my child? Or maybe you're a teenager here tonight, and you're like, what on earth is going on with my parents? <laughs> right? Or maybe, like, you're in a marriage situation that's really, really difficult, and you feel like there's no one I can talk to about this issue. That's a tough circumstance. Or maybe you just can't seem to get past your grief. You thought, man, I thought I'd be past this by now, but I'm not. I hear you. I haven't been through the stuff that maybe some of you in this room are dealing with right now, and that's your circumstance. I hear you, but I'm encouraged by Paul. And I hope tonight and throughout the next eight weeks, you'll be encouraged by Paul. I think he has some words and perspectives for us tonight, that we could leave this place encouraged despite the circumstance that's right in your face. We're going to look at the scriptures here in Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 1. This is what the Bible says. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints, that's for all y'all, in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness. How I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. 
And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and, be, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard, which is awesome, by the way, and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from, from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. So there's a lot going on in that passage of Scripture, but I want to drill down on circumstances. What, what, what circumstances, and we already kind of hit this a little bit, what circumstance, based on this passage of Scripture, does Paul find himself in? He's in prison, according to verse 7. He's possibly going to be sentenced to death. And he's defending and confirming the gospel. That's the situation he finds himself in, even in prison. Now, we kind of talked a little bit about what circumstances you find yourself in, but let me just talk big picture here for a second. Here we are in 2023. We're in a post-pandemic reality. There's all kinds of economic uncertainty, is there not? We are in an age where it's troublesome to trust our healthcare system. A lot of us have questions about our educational system, and that's not a slight to any teachers that are here, but we just have questions as followers of Jesus. And we live in an age of people that have chronic anxiety. And some of us are in the room in recovery for that. We're just anxious people that... Man, we just feel so driven by fear and worries and what-ifs. And on an individual level, like, you have struggles as well in your circumstances. You're asking the question, why do I seem like I always have conflict with people? How am I going to afford mortgage or rent or pay my heating bill after this weekend? How many of y'all were doing the math? How many of y'all turned on the baseboard heaters or whatever you have? How many of your heat, how many of your heat pumps didn't work this weekend? right? You're thinking about that stuff. Or how on earth am I going to deal with all these mental health issues I seem to keep having? How am I going to overcome this addiction? We all have different circumstances that we're faced with, and it's hard to know what to do, and it's really, really hard to actually be grateful in the circumstance. I mean, we're just trying to keep our heads above water, let alone be grateful in it. But Paul was able to be grateful in his circumstances. How? How is Paul able to be grateful in his circumstances? And the question would be flipped to us, is how are we able to be grateful in our circumstances? I want to tell you three things that I think Paul did that will help us actually be grateful in our circumstances. The first thing is to embrace God's perspective in the circumstance. Embrace God's perspective in the circumstance. Paul's perspective was this. 
I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He didn't mope or write a country song about him being in prison. Matter of fact, if you go back to Acts chapter 16, when he was in jail the first time in Philippi, instead of writing a depressing country song, you know what he did? He praised God. And then what happened? God supernaturally opened up the prison doors and set him free. Paul learned a really important lesson there, to have God's perspective. I mentioned uh, Joseph last week. Now, some of us, it takes longer to learn this lesson like it did Joseph. Joseph, after years of going through horrible circumstances, learned a very important lesson. That all the circumstances that Joseph went through actually was for his good, the good of his family, and the good of entire nation, and for the good of God. He learned that really, really important lesson. But we're guilty of misinterpreting circumstances all the time. Like, for instance, like, you ever have someone look at you the wrong way, and you're like, man, what's wrong with them? Or like, or maybe you're like, maybe you're like driving by someone, and you, you think they see you, and you put up the two fingers to wave, and they don't wave back. And you're like, man, like, did I do something to offend them? I mean, some of us just have, have a default face where, like, our default face when we pass someone driving is like, right? I remember one time AJ passed me on his motorbike, and I was, like, I was so tired, and I know my head was, like, I was just, like, droggy. And I literally saw him driving on his motorcycle, and he, like, did this, like, look at me, like, look of concern, like, Jay, what is wrong with you? Some of us just don't have good default faces, and it's okay. The Lord still loves us, right? Right? Okay, just check it. Just check it. But we interpret stuff wrong all the time. Like, we think, we, maybe we're walking through no frills, and we think someone sees us, but they don't say hi. You're like, man, like, what's up with them? But on a more serious note, because of our emotional baggage and hurt, we interpret things wrong all the time. And because we interpret or take things the wrong way all the time, it actually molds and shapes our perspective about people, about circumstances, about life in general. All that stuff forms our way of thinking. And the Bible actually teaches us that sin and brokenness has formed our way of thinking. So, so much, and I would argue, before we come to faith in Jesus... Most, if not all, of our perspectives about life and about relationships and about so much is actually wrong. The Bible teaches us that we need to repent. Now, most of us hear that word repent and we have negative connotations. Or we think, I need to change my behavior. And that's not untrue according to the scriptures. But the root word for repent actually is the word metanoia in Greek, and it actually means to change your perspective. That's what repentance is. It's to change our perspective to God's perspective. And I would just add the plural. It's to change our perspectives on life, in family, in relationships, in everything. To change our perspectives and adopt and believe and accept God's perspectives. And when we do that, we're able to be grateful in our circumstances. But the problem is, so many of our perspectives 
are so emotional and mean so much to us, they're actually cemented in our brains and in our hearts and in our emotions. And so, so much of our perspectives are wrong and it's a process for us to change our way of thinking. Romans 12, 1 says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. That's the process of transformation, but that's really, really hard because we all have very strong emotional opinions about things, right? You're not convinced. Let me just test this out for a little bit. We'll see how this goes. What comes to your head and your heart when I say the word money? What comes to your head and your heart when I say the word tithing? What comes to your head and your heart when I say the word, careful on this one, ready? Politics. What comes to your head and your heart when I say the word healthcare system? <laughs> what comes to your head and your heart when I say the word educational system? Does emotion stir? Does all kinds of thoughts and opinions you've had conversations with stir up? We all have perspectives on all different kinds of things. The problem is because of sin, our perspectives have all been formed the wrong way. Ugh. And so often, and without us realizing it or not, our perspectives and God's perspectives are so different. Do you think God has perspective on money? You think? He talked about it an awful lot in his word. You think God has perspective on tithing? Do you think God has perspective on politics? Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. He had a word to say about it. Do you think God has perspective on how we care for people in the healthcare? Do you think God has perspective on how we educate children? We talked, we did a baby dedication here tonight. God has a word for that. But there's this contrast that exists. And repentance is so much more than behavior modification. It's about being willing to accept God's perspective on everything. Everything, all of the time. That's true repentance. Let me say it one more time. Repentance is so much more than behavior modification. It's about being willing to accept God's perspective on everything, all the time. And the way in which we're able to change our perspective is actually through worship. Worship changes our perspective I was uh, thinking about this message here tonight and this, believe it or not, I was in Bible college like, I don't know, 11, 12, 13 years ago, whenever I was in a particular class and the Lord brought this particular lesson from this particular class back to me. So I go ahead and I message my professor, Dave Smith. And I said, Dave, you know, like, um, Dr. Smith, like, there was this one class, this way back when, I know it might be hard for you to remember, but I remember you talking about worship. And I remember you talking about a particular psalm. And in the psalm, the person was struggling. They were focused on their circumstances. But then midway through the psalm, he shifted his perspective because of worship. I said, do you remember that? He said, I most certainly do. And he sent me all the slides from that specific class. I was like, boop, mind blown. It's Psalm 73. And in Psalm 73, and I encourage you to read it, the, the psalmist was reading through, writing through the circumstances and his enemies and all these different kinds of things. And then something happens that shifts his perspective. And it's verse 17. It says this, But then I entered the sanctuary 
and I understood. And the rest of the psalm, he adopts God's perspective. When we worship Jesus, it changes our perspective. And I think that's why so many of us come to church on a Sunday night to worship is because you know you need God's perspective on your life because you've lived with your perspective so often and it hasn't gone so well, right? Like That's why we pray these prayers, God, I need you. I don't want to reap the decisions of living after my own ideas and my own perspectives on things because so often I am wrong. So Lord, would you just help me have your mind and heart for my family, for my job, for my workplace, for all these different things? The Bible teaches us that we have the mind of Christ. In other words, we have access to God's perspective on every situation we're faced with. The last two weeks we talked about the verse in Ephesians that talk about the measure of the fullness of Christ and how sometimes that's difficult to understand. Well, one mark of being mature spiritually is the ability to have God's perspective in every situation. You ask yourself the question, Lord, what do you think about this? Because does he not have some thoughts? And do we not, as the scripture teaches us, have the mind of Christ, have access to what God is thinking? Yes, God has perspective for us. So practically speaking, what do we do and how are we able to be grateful in challenging circumstances? I want you to think specifically right now about a circumstance you're currently in that you are struggling with. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to first worship. Bless God. Come tonight, even as we sing the closing song here in a few minutes, worship him. Because in God's presence, it's then that God's able to soften our mind and we're able to begin to adopt his thinking. Then I want you to do something else. I want you to worship, but then I want you to pray. And I want you to ask God a very specific question about that specific circumstance you're thinking about. I want you to ask God and say, God, what is your perspective on that specific circumstance? And then what I want you to do is this. Wait. Listen. Don't even sing the song. Listen to what the Spirit of God says to you about that specific circumstance because I can guarantee you he has perspective on the situation you're faced with. And it's amazing what happens when we listen to the Spirit of God when instead of adopting our perspective on a particular situation, it's amazing what happens when God gives us his perspective because he gives us the ability to deal with the circumstance. You ever hear that saying, I just got to get some perspective on this? Well, why not get God's perspective? We have access to it, do we not? And that's what enables us to be able to be grateful in our circumstances. I wanted to spend a lot of time on that first point because there's a lot there. But it's often hard to have, be grateful in our circumstance when it feels like the circumstance won't end, right? How many of you feel like you've been in a circumstance for a long time and you're like, How many have asked the question, will this ever end? How many have asked the question, will it ever end? Well, the reason Paul was able to be grateful in his circumstance is because he embraced the hope of deliverance. And that's how we can be grateful in our circumstance by knowing that there is hope of deliverance. The Bible says, 
For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. One way or another, Paul knew deliverance was coming. For Paul, that meant having an Acts 16 thing go down again, the Lord breaking through the prison walls, or one way or another, deliverance was going to happen, or he was going to die. To live as Christ and to die as gain, Paul said in a few more verses. He knew that deliverance from this current situation was going to happen. And I just want to encourage you with that. That affliction and that circumstance you're faced with right now, one way or another, it will not last forever. I know it might feel like that right now when you're in it, but it won't last forever. And somebody really needs to hear that tonight. That circumstance you're in right now, you need to hang on to the hope that that won't last forever. So our response, knowing that it won't last forever, is to be patient in affliction. That's what the Bible teaches us in Romans 12. Now, sometimes God will change our circumstance, but often he's in no rush to do so. Because God uses, circumstances are one of the primary ways that God uses to shape and mold us to be more like Jesus. God may change your circumstance. He may bring deliverance, but he might not. But one day, there is hope of ultimate deliverance one day. Your circumstance won't last forever. And I find, when I believe that truth, that whatever I'm afflicted with, it won't last forever, doesn't it make it more manageable? Doesn't it make it like, okay, this will end one day. All that will be gone. Whether it's now, whether it's six weeks from now, or whether it's when I go to see Jesus, that particular circumstance won't last forever. It gives you hope, does it not? It's kind of like the story of this uh, biologist named Kurt Richter. I don't know if you've heard of this story or not, but in 1950s, this guy did a pretty cruel experiment on rats. And what he did was he placed these rats in water and just wanted to see how long they could live just swimming water in a bucket of water, swimming in a bucket of water. You know how long the rats lasted in that pail of water before they stopped swimming and died? 15 minutes, they succumbed. They gave up hope. Then he did a second experiment where he took the rats and he placed them in the water. And just before, just as they were starting to sink and give in, he grabbed the rat, took it out of the water, dried it off, gave it a rest, and put it back in again. Any idea how long those rats lived? 60 hours. Because they had hope of being delivered. 60 hours. You see, we're able to be patient in our affliction and circumstance because we know that one way or another, Jesus will deliver us. Amen? Whether it's in eternity when there's no more sin and no more sorrow and Jesus wipes away every tear from our eye. Whether it's then... Or whether it's in six weeks, two months, two days, I don't know. There is the hope of deliverance. And so we can be grateful in the circumstance because we know there's a hope of deliverance. But it's hard to do it alone, is it not? How many of you felt in your circumstance alone? Man, you just feel like, I just wish I had someone there. Well, the last way that we can be grateful in our circumstances, and Paul modeled this for us, is to embrace the community of faith. 
very first verse of Philippians chapter 1, Paul says this. Paul and who? Timothy. Paul didn't just write Philippians. Timothy wrote it. And he wrote it with him while he was in prison. Yes, Paul was in prison, but he wasn't alone. Same as in Acts 16 with Paul and Silas. Same as in so many of Paul's letters, at the end, when you hear all those greetings that many of us just skip over, Paul is talking about those people that were with him that were an encouragement to him on his endeavors to spread the gospel. Man, having someone with you in the trenches to pray with you, support you, and encourage you, like, you can't beat it. That's what the church is meant to be. That's why the Bible says, as long as it is today, encourage one another. That's what the church is meant to be, this source of encouragement and support. Like, when you're in tough circumstances and someone encourages you, doesn't it feel like an awesome shot in the arm? Doesn't it feel like, man, like, it gives you courage in your heart, and that's what encouragement is. Encouragement is the ability to put courage in someone else's heart to help them move forward in their circumstance. How many of y'all need that? I know I need some of that. How many of us need to be encouraged? Like, what has it meant to you when someone was sitting with you in grief or loss? What did that mean to you? Or what did it mean to you when you had opportunity to share your anxieties that plague you and you felt understood in those moments? What did that do to your heart? Or what did it do to your heart when you were getting counsel from someone else for financial decisions or asking someone relational advice. The Bible says there's safety with a multitude of counselors. But here's the problem with this community of faith. It's not a problem with the community of faith. The problem is with us isolating from the community of faith. That's why it says we need to embrace the community of faith. It's hard to embrace the community of faith when we're sitting by ourselves isolated watching Netflix. And we have just learned to isolate ourselves so much that We don't put ourselves in spaces to receive encouragement from the body of Christ. And to push it a little further, we don't put ourselves in positions to encourage other people that desperately need the encouragement we have to bless them with to help them push through their circumstances. And so the challenge to us would be, like, let's stop binge-watching Netflix. Let's get out and rub shoulders and hug people and love people and be an encouragement, and stop living these isolated lives. That's not what God has called us to at all. God has called us to embrace this community of faith. And let me just take time to encourage you here tonight. Like, you are not alone in your circumstances. God is for you. He's not against you. The Bible teaches us that Jesus is praying for you right now. He is our great intercessor. He is our high priest. We can come to him to receive grace and mercy in time of need. I know that these circumstances you're faced with, you feel like you're just so down and out. You feel like you're so depleted and out of energy and out of strength, and you're so tired and you're so weary. But God is the God of all comfort. He is the source. He is the wellspring. He provides the living water that never runs dry, that quenches the deepest thirst of our soul. I just want to encourage you tonight. I want you to leave tonight feeling encouraged, knowing that God's for you. He's fighting on your behalf. He sees you. He understands. He empathizes you with you and your weaknesses. He weeps with those who weeps, and he mourns with those who mourns. He is for you. 
He's not against you. No matter if you have accepted Jesus or it's your first time to church and you don't know a thing about God, God loves you. And I just want you to be encouraged tonight. You are not alone. We're going to sing here in a second. We talked about that first step in being grateful in our circumstances is worship. It's in worship that God's able to change our way of thinking. And when we sing this song, this is what I want you to do. You can sing along with the words if you want. But some of us need to come to the spot where we start to worship God and we bring a particular circumstance that tonight the Holy Spirit has been underlining the whole entire night. And you need to say, maybe not sing. And you need to say to God, God, I love you and I bless you. And I want your perspective. And you need to ask God a specific question. God, what is your perspective on this particular situation? And then wait and listen to what the Spirit's saying. And God, I believe, will give you perspective. Maybe some of you, you need just to embrace the reality that your circumstance will not last forever. It won't. It's hard right now, and I get that. It won't last forever. Deliverance will come one way or another. And finally, some of y'all, we need community. We need to stop binge-watching Netflix, and we need to get out and rub shoulders with people. Maybe you feel discouraged Maybe you need to be the one to encourage and have coffee with someone or drop in to see someone. Or maybe God has put it on your heart that I need to be more encouraging to people. Here's something all of us can do before we leave tonight to help encourage people in their circumstance. What would it look like if every single one of us in this room, before we left church tonight, we encouraged one person? Before you leave, one person, you go up to them and say something encouraging and affirming. We all got tough circumstances, but if we're really in this together as the body, God can help us to be grateful in our circumstances. Because don't we have so much to be grateful for? (laughs) I mean, just think about how much God's blessed us. So I invite you to stand to your feet. If you need prayer tonight in your circumstances, I'm here to encourage you tonight. You can come out for prayer. I'd love to pray with you. But let's worship him and ask for God's perspective. Because boy, oh boy, do we need it.